Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition Remix. I am one third of the Kickers of Elves and your host for tonight, Hugh Crawford. Uh, welcome. Tonight we are going to be revisiting the episode Invasive Procedures, which I believe is the fourth episode of season two. So, here we go. Hope you enjoy. And stick around for after for a little bit, uh, uh, of commentary and looking back from uh, myself. This story has a station evacuation. Oh yeah. Last week had a station evacuation as well. Oh yeah. Maybe next week could bring yet another evacuation. Oh yeah. It's time for you to get in a runabout. This is not a drill. I repeat, this is not a drill. We are all going to die. Hello and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where the three of us will be going through every single episode of Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, fellas. And my name is Wade Bowen. And let's just jump right into it. We're... We're already like four episodes in the season two. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, right. We're on we're on uh, invasive procedures. This is episode four of season two. It originally aired October seventeenth, nineteen ninety three. The IMDb description is as follows: A jealous trill who had waited his entire life to receive a symbiont, but never had, decides to steal one. Dot dot dot. Daxes! Exclamation <laughs> mark. Um, There's right. suspense in the IMDb good, good, description. Yeah, good copywriter, IMDb. <laughs> yeah, somebody did this one on a Friday or a Monday. Um, this one, guys, I, the central question I want to ask both of you right at the top, uh-huh. is this a good episode? <laughs> oh, I think I think I loved it. Did no one else I, like it? I think... I think I, at, at first, well, there's little nitpicky things that kind of annoyed me and then the first time those kind of bore their way into my brain and then i rewatched it before the podcast and i was like you know what i like the ideas that they're dealing with in this episode yes i feel like all the actors actually do a pretty good job uh-huh. yes so my complaints are mainly technical and things that seem like no-brainers that are annoying to me that they could have easily fixed but again the overall Pieces all work just fine. You know, it may it may be spring. I don't know, but I I I'm in love with the show right now. I feel like they are in the zone. I feel like this episode. This may be like this is a top five episode so far to me. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay. See, now I think I completely disagree. I think this has got the same sort of problems that we had whenever we had the Dax on trial episode, where it brings up interesting ideas and then doesn't do anything with them. Uh. And I think that what we have here, we have the Trill who wants to steal Dax. Mm-hmm. John Glover, has, who's in Scrooge, yeah. my favorite he, Christmas movie. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> He's not, there's no shades of gray with that guy. He is clearly in the wrong. He's just an asshole. He's like, yeah, well, he's... Right. So there's no there's no central question that anybody's trying to grapple with. It's just like... You're right. Um, I'm going to take this, and then it's like, give it back. No, no, but really, give it back. Oh, come on, give it back. <laughs> Please give it back. <laughs> hey, how about we go through every every tact to, to get it back? Okay. I actually loved watching that. Okay, you're right. You, it was very watchable. Yeah, I feel like the same. it's the same central question as the last Dax episode that yes. is, is... That didn't get answered? Is Dax a different person when she's in a new host? And Cisco is 
firmly on the board. It's a different person now. And then that's his argument for the whole thing. Uh, see, I don't think it asked any. I mean, I think that I. Well, it's not even asked. It's just. I think I view it as a smaller episode. Well done. Mm-hmm. I think that it's. You're right. He's totally in the wrong. There is no. He doesn't have a point of view. And so that show is about watching a guy who I think John Glover, I think, is giving a great performance. Oh, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. You can't keep your eyes off him when he comes up and he's acting all timid like you're like, this is the weirdest fucking thing. Yeah. It, yeah. The way that he plays timid Varad and then when he gets the symbiote, he's going, hey, he's doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. They even they change his hair. He puts some hair gel in his hair. Sure. <laughs> did he really? I didn't notice that. Space gel. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, he totally has got different hair. They did. He gets, he's <laughs> yeah. got fancy, like, he, it's, he's suaver looking. Uh, but, yeah. um, Subtle. I thought it was the acting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's both. But, I mean, the guy's doing, like, he's confident and he's built up and he, you know, he cares that his hair looks nice. But the thing that I liked about it is that you you felt for him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that you felt like that it, nothing justified. No. Nothing justified his actions, but I understand. How do you feel for him at all? Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I'm saying that that is a justification. People feel slighted and wronged in life, and then they take ridiculous measures to rectify that because they feel like they were born for a purpose and they haven't got yeah. to achieve that. Per- I actually that related purpose. to that a little bit too. I, I, that's where that's where it fell short for me is because I'm like, you entitled asshole. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I no, 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 no. He's oh, an entitled he's, asshole, but the world is full of entitled assholes. Right. Oh right. yeah. I'm one of those entitled assholes. You know, like his whole thing <laughs> is he's worked really hard, but he feels like he's deserves greatness. But he's worked so hard his whole life, but he's doomed to a life of mediocrity because he's a mediocre person. But he's not willing to accept that. <laughs> yes. And, you know, in my self-loathing weaker moments, I can relate to that. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> I spent a lot of time today looking up uh, Medifinol, <laughs> which is the limitless drug today. Oh, that, hey, maybe I could cheat. <laughs> no one man should have all that power. Yeah. Oh, wait. it's a real drug. <laughs> That makes you smarter. <laughs> and some people swear by it. I talked to a girl from Canada where it's it's like, oh, it's the best thing ever. Oh, really? That sounds like... I thought you were supposed to take Adderall, which is what Marco Rubio has been constantly accused yeah, of Yeah, that's just speed. With- Medifinol or whatever is basically... It, I don't know. It's like that, I guess, but different. <laughs> it, it's all about synaptic pattern. It frees up sinus synapses in the brain or something. It's the limitless drug. Mm-hmm. That's what they base that whole movie on. But so, but if you had to rip that out of a girl's stomach pouch, would you do it? No, because like, I'm not a monster. <laughs> yes. Well, so, okay, you guys are on, I don't think that his character is justified or sympathetic at all. No, 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 no. See, oh, you just used a word. You just used two words. No. <laughs> sympathetic and justified are not the same thing. I never said that. I said understand. I said or. I don't think he's even sympathetic. I don't give two shits about his shit entitled play no 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 i'm not saying he's either one of them i'm saying that it's a real thing it's not like his motivation is crazy pants people do this i understand it's a real thing but it's just a it's just like a frustrating thing that you would like i'm sure if you're reading the space news or whatever and it's like (laughs) entitled asshole takes over station it's just one of those things that kind of just brings you down a little bit to know that there are people like that in the world sure and i felt like that that's what cisco was feeling and then cisco (laughs) had to like manipulate and cajole and manipulate Dax, his old friend Dax, and then he had to manipulate Larry Sanders' wife with the clitoris on her forehead. <laughs> he had to manipulate her, and like he had to constantly go back and forth, and it was like you it was, made me spit up my drink, man, all over my microphone. That would have been bad. I'm sorry. I thought that was incredibly well done, and I enjoyed watching it. That was well done. It's some good Cisco stuff in here. He fights a Klingon. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, part. I was trying to remember where she was from, and it was Larry Sanders' wife. 
Uh, rest yes. in peace. So, to Larry Sanders, not to Larry Sanders. Who's still working and is still quite... She's she's still busy. She's working. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She's working. Yeah. She's working for you. I get it. I'm sorry. So, what were you saying, Hugh? <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't even remember. After where she's from, I thought you guys were talking about what planet the alien was from. No, no. She's from Larry Sanders' show. Oh, yeah. Kefka 4? Was it? I wrote I, that down. Planet Clitor or something. <laughs> she was a prostitute, right? She was a prostitute. Oh, yeah. Yes. She was. Comfort House. Yeah, yes. yeah. And he saved her and she's forever. Comfort House. Yeah. So here we get this entitled Trill who just like frequents whorehouses. He's the kind of guy who has a particular hooker he likes. You're right. And this goes back to the whole Western tropes. That's true. And then I just realized on the second watch, oh, wait a minute. He's like the snivelly rich guy that wants to be a criminal. She's the hooker with the heart of gold that he saves and she's committed to him. Klingons are the Civil War vets, the rebels. Yeah. Very good. Where I realized when they're like, hey, we're not at war with the Klingon Empire. And he's all pissed off. He's like, oh, the Empire is governed by doddering old fools and frightened old women. They don't know anything. You know, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Rutherford beat Hayes ain't my president. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun to see uh, Tuvok. Dressed up as uh, Rick James. <laughs> oh, that was Tuvok. Okay, I knew I... That was Tuvok. That was Tim yeah, Tim Russ. Okay. Yeah, it was the actor. Yeah, the- yeah, yeah. I knew I recognized that name. Yeah. yeah, so it opens up. There's a plasma storm, and that's why the station is evacuated. For the second time in two episodes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never mind that just last episode they had to evacuate the station. Um, it's This is totally separate. This is so they can have a yeah. drop-in episode. Well, what's going on? Oh, it's that's why it's evacuated, but whatever. This is where they got their slogan, Deep Space Nine, keep your bags back. <laughs> Was that a slogan? No, I don't know. But they've had, they, they're they <laughs> apparently having to evacuate quite a bit. So. Yeah, right. Which, okay, well, I'll save that. Okay, uh, so, we're, uh, so they come on and they, they basically take over the ship. Because of, and this is probably my main problem with the episode, is Quark is in league with these guys and helps them break onto Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And leads to a series of events that could lead to Jedzia Dax's death. But he's still lovable Quark by the end of this episode. Right. Well, he doesn't know that that's what their game is. He thinks he's selling liquid chains or something. I forgot what it was. Data rods? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh, that's not what we're interested in. You, you Ferengi, think you're so clever, but you're all stupid, which actually is not an inaccurate statement. Because <laughs> they're these criminal market, free market masterminds, except actually they're actually not that great at selling. Right. So wait a minute. So you're saying that I didn't get this part, and you're probably right, because I knew that there was the weird data rod sequence. But you're saying that he allowed them to break onto the ship during an evacuation procedure to sell them something, where if they just waited a day... And waited for the storm to be over and everybody to come back. He could have just sold it to him in open space. Well, it's probably illegal stuff. And it's something. He doesn't think they came there for Dax. That's news to him. Well, he chose that day because there'd be no heat on him. He, you know, with everybody gone and worried about the storm, he's like, let's do some, let's do some shady stuff when there's nobody, you know, because. But, but at that point, there's seven guys on the ship. It's actually going to be harder to pull shady shit off. Well, yeah, I didn't even think of it that way, but it's clearly contraband that he's got for the guy. Yeah, he's selling data rods. He doesn't know they're there to take over the station, which is weird. That makes him a little more sim- That makes it a little more forgivable. Yeah. If he was just manipulated by these guys. But it seems like he didn't give a shit. He was just going to let them break out of the ship. Yeah. And then I didn't really understand the data rod. If that's the case, then Quark, he seems less accountable to me, I guess. Yeah. Because- in the overall awfulness, but still. He's the only one. I've. They. 
tuck their tail between their legs real fast, I thought. He's the only one. Cisco has his his whole thing in mind. He's going to talk them out of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's the, Quark's the only one that actually makes active choices to try to get out of the situation. Right. Really. Yeah, and then, and then convinces Bashir to do, yeah, do yeah, the yeah. same as well. Yeah. Because I, I did think when the first time I saw it, it was like, oh, this, is this a good... Because they just like roll over so fast. I felt like they don't, they don't have any fight in them. I wrote that down with Odo specifically. I was like, Odo just can't Odo... He's a shapeshifter. Like, I don't understand. Can't he kick some ass? Yeah, yeah, no. Like... I mean, I, isn't, doesn't he have any Batman in him whatsoever? Because it's just too, it's two blasters right. in a hallway. I mean, like. Yeah, yeah. Well, they could, I don't know. Everybody, though, rolls over. Wait, the only innocent there is, well, not innocent, but like Quark, right? No, was he Quark wasn't even there? there for that one. O'Brien. No, O'Brien was there. O'Brien was there. Yeah. O'Brien, yeah. And he does his little, don't go chasing waterfalls into the box. All right, here, here's my one narrative killer for Star Trek. Why don't they have a procedure in place for this sort of for this sort of invasion? Like they should have some sort of sci-fi neurotoxin that can get through the skin and through the lungs that they can like that Cisco should be able to say like a password to the computer. And then like everybody who's a crew member has been inoculated against and it just knocks out any intruder. Yeah. That would have been smart. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when you when you join Star Wars. But I mean, that's they do have the sensors. Nobody can just bring a weapon on board without being detected. The only way they get past that is because Quark is in the loading dock and puts that thing on the wall to shut down the weapon detectors. Right. So yeah, that's why they're not expecting it. Because Quark gives the whole like, "Hey, have you ever?" I'm I'm crying over my brother, and then he gets the the dopey Irishman who has like probably fifteen brothers. Did did you cry when you left your brothers? When and he's like, "Yeah, when I went to the." <laughs> I suppose, I suppose so. so. When I joined the Federation, you wimp. I don't know. Is that an Irish thing? To go kill the Cardi. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but do you see what I'm saying? Like, I think every episode of Star Trek could have, like, some piece of technology that would completely ki- kill the narrative if it existed in the world. Yeah. Well, they kind of do. Aren't all doors set up with the force fields that can be activated? Which the whole finale of this episode could have been just containing trail guy in the docking port at the end instead of cisco having to shoot him just you know you fire the force fields on both sides of the door on both doors and you have him trapped well yeah but then you don't have a story that's true (laughs) star trek the technology is set up to oh we have this thing that can fix anything when we need it to fix anything yes but it can't be the thing that fixes everything when it doesn't work for the narrative right you still gotta let a story slip through there. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh-huh. Narrative killer. Yeah, they can do the Dusex Machina whenever they want. While we're talking about how Star Trek makes things shitty, uh, I have two notes. One of which is at this moment when they go onto ops, uh, Tuvok shoots his blaster up in the air. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't work. That doesn't work like in the westerns. A loud gunfire up at the ceiling is is very effective, but like shooting a little blaster thing at the ceiling, not that effective. Yeah. Some a lot of the blaster shots, I wasn't quite convinced or sure why they were there. Like I, I, I convinced I get shooting O'Brien, but then when Julian is like, I have to, hey, wait a minute, let me get this healing kid out of the thing to treat the wounds. It's like okay, Tim Russ shooting his phasers everywhere, and then he shoots Bashir, and then I mean he shoots O'Brien, and O'Brien's like, oh, crying like whatever, and then. Julian goes out of his way to like, hey, 
before I go, let me, me let me make sure that I ha- can rub this magic stick on his wounds. And it's like, okay, I get that he would do that, but I don't understand what it adds to the story. Yeah. And then they take Julian off to go do the trill surgery. Yes. And it's like, why didn't they bring a doctor with them? Oh, that's a great question. Because they hired all these other people. Man, that's a glaring omission. I didn't even think about that. What if Bashir just said, like, I don't know how to do the surgery? Or, like, what if he was, like, a ridiculous drunk? Yeah. What if he gets shot accidentally or something happens to him? Yeah, how do do they know that the the ship's doctor didn't evacuate and that all they're left is the ship's barber? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Some some blue-skinned guy without any hair. They've got to make Garrick come in and do it. (laughs) Oh, Garrick, that crazy motherfucker, would do it, too. Yeah, I trust Garrick to do it. Yeah, I do, too. Actually, I trust Garrick with my life. <laughs> so my other weird Star Trekky thing, we're kind of at this. Is at the moment is after he does the surgery and after he brings Jadzia back awake, she has this moment where Terry Farrell is gonna act. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And and that's fine. And I'm not here to judge Terry Farrell's acting. I thought she did a fine job. She did okay. But it was like this. But it's a Star Trek problem where you have this actress who's doing this intense performance and it's emotional and it's kind of tragic. But I'm having to watch her do it with these two bleepy, bloopy, like, things on her forehead that are just distracting <laughs> yes. to me the whole time. Oh, uh, really? I didn't, I I wasn't distracted by that at all. No, I thought, I, I, that's exactly what I thought, too, through the, the whole thing. I was queen. like, this is a tender scene. Could you take those fucking things off her head? We don't need to have, it's like something you'd find at Radio Shack, too. It doesn't even look futuristic. <laughs> <laughs> and it is bleepy and bloopy, so it's distracting. And she looks like a, she looks goofy. See, I thought the the whole the scenes where she was on the bed and it's just her with the bloopy thing on her head mm-hmm. and it's just like the way that her hair was and the way that the the way the camera the way it was shot and it was kind of blurred a little bit to make her look beautiful or whatever it to me it was very it was it was almost a callback at she looked like a hot crewman from the original series to me it's like this is how we make a woman beautiful in the 60s oh she had that she, it looked like you could have taken a still from that and it i would have believed that it was a still from the original series even yeah she had that kind of high hair too yeah with the soft lighting yeah, yeah. the high hair yeah. and yeah kind of the rose filter on it almost yeah it's another Dax episode where they take Dax out of the acting equation for two thirds of it. Yes, yeah, right. But her her acting scenes where she was like, when they take it out and she's like, oh, "I'm so alone. I feel empty inside because the symbiote's not there." I thought she did a good job in those. I thought she did a good job, and I also thought that it was it was good writing because you get two scenes. Yeah, you get the scene of her experiencing that, and then later, what's his name, John Glover Dax. Oh yeah, yeah. You get John Glover Dax going through the same sort of emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you get that just kind of that parallel. So that's kind of good tv writing for the time yeah yeah so yeah yeah so okay let's i I, I, this is the point where i want to put let's talk about the surgery okay (laughs) which they show in a surprising amount of detail yeah yeah that bothers me almost 100 percent. really why um okay so i i i have seen doctors in 2007 pull out something the size of dax out of my wife's stomach (laughs) <laughs> I watched. I watched it totally. Yeah. Uh, okay. It, it, Something it was, you were responsible for. Yes. They did not cut a hole in her from rib from from like the the. I mean that that little flap with the entire length of her belly. Yeah. And well, then his lap went entirely. So like, do the trills have pouches? 
I assume that they stick the, the symbiote. I, I assume they have something to make the transfer easier. I bet they have pouches, not pouches, but yeah, pouches. So like, you know, okay. So he was probably have to open them up, but they're probably, e- they're like a Ziploc bag. <laughs> they're just, they're so that's just, what they were waving. Okay. So she has these giant scars and let's say about a 15 to 16 inch hole opening to put in like a seven pound, Turkey leg, looking Cronenberg, some sort of Cronenberg body horror thing, like that looks like it's made out of slimy paper mache. Yeah, like pulled it out of her, her stomach and then put it back into his. Right, pulled it out, cut it out, not with a laser scalpel, but an actual blade. Which oh, did I didn't know doctors used in Star Trek. Oh yeah, well no, he used like pruning shears. Yeah, to, like, yeah. <laughs> well it looked like a very right. Uh, this 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 clipping thing is only for clipping umbilical cords and trill symbiotes. <laughs> yes, and then they stick it back in there, and that's fine. But uh, so I'm left with like, okay, so you think they have like a ziploc bag? Because <laughs> yeah. if they have you still a have pouch, to do like a heat seal over it when you're done, because. That comes up later. The pouch is the grossest thing in the world. It's pretty gross. Big, that that is open to their internal organs. Because like, okay, so like kangaroos have pouches, but it's just like they're like titty coverings. It's not like gross. I mean, they're not. They're but like a pouch into the, your internal no, organs. No, there's no pouches. We've seen shirtless trills before, and they're not. They're not. I, I remember on the Next Generation whenever. Dr. Crusher's getting her swerve on with that <laughs> ma- male, ma- male trill, uh-huh. you know, and he's walking around like shirtless and stuff. There's, there's, and I think we see Dax and midriff stuff later on in the mirror. Yeah. But she's got a crazy, yeah, a, she's got a crazy skull. There's no, maybe that's, uh, that's all in the surgery prep. They, they get that going. <laughs> I, I don't think they have a pouch. I, I think they I'm have saying. an easy, I think it brings up a good, I think they have it, a port of some sort to put the trill into. I think, Makes sense. I think we've have we discussed about the the evolutionary like problems with the whole trill species on the show yet? Po- possibly talked about it, but yeah, like that. Let's let's unpack it. But like, how there's no from from an evolutionary bio, like a biology standpoint, how does a species a humanoid species figure out that they want a worm inside their <laughs> well, gut i thought it was that i thought it was like it wasn't all evolution it part of its technological like the worm trills were going to die out maybe this is a dream i had i don't know or maybe it's a story from the <laughs> the beverly crusher episode or maybe it's maybe it's further on in deep space nine i don't remember but there was the you know they used to be separate races right and they, they maybe they lived on the same planet, maybe they didn't. But then the slug, they, they did the slug symbiotes because they lived in pools. The slug symbiotes were going to go extinct, or there was something, some problem they had, and the symbionts were like, "Hey, we will help you out, and you can live in us." And then they found out that it was mutually beneficial to both, and that they could keep going. But you know, it wasn't like they evolved that way totally. I think it's like at some point in their evolution, they decided to join. It was a and then they technologically decided how that would happen, and then then they grew into a species that would be due to. So it's like a sociological. So did the symbiont, which is what they call it, and I'm gonna the symbiont, which they say a thousand because yes, they're both the same species. They, they consider themselves both this, members of the same species. Sure. Okay, so they're both trill. Well, they're two. They're they're two different species, and they're also the same species. They're conjoined. Yeah. Yes. Because but, okay, can, so before sure, that, the, they started getting into the trills. Because there's trills and there's conjoined trills, technically. Before they started getting into the hosts, did they, uh, because they have no arms, legs, or faces. 
So they're not very practical in an open environment. So did they go into some sort of trillion horse-like creature and then move up where there are other host animals up the evolutionary scale? You know what? Because like they... I don't know if that's ever don't... addressed, but but you know what? From a science fiction perspective, it makes a lot of sense that they would have started off as like a parasitic species that gained sentience and turned out to be a... Yeah. Because when you think about parasites, if you've ever read Parasite Rex or other books, there were parasites that evolved for every species has its own also whole ecosystem of parasites that are evolved to live specifically in only that one species. So it makes sense it, from a science fiction point of view that you would have from, there's more species of parasites than there are of every other kind of animal in the world. Mm. So medieval trill didn't boil their water and then they realized <laughs> that they eventually got a gut worm that they could. Oh, so, oh, okay. Yeah. And then it was like, cool. I don't know. I don't know. That's it. I'm trying to figure out where, how they can make the jump. That might've been what it is. You can make a story where a medieval trill host, my lady, uh, lady, gets a parasitic thing and then wakes up one morning and has all of the memories of yeah, yeah. all of the of the symbiote's other organisms. And so that, that's got to be a weird and shocking. So she remembers being in a horse and a gorilla and an earthworm. Yeah, yeah. Or, or there's a lot of ways it could come about. Like you could have another story where one species discovers the secret to immortality is by growing these slugs that can keep jumping from host to host, you know? Yeah. So basically what you're what we're saying here is that they have a fertile character in the Dax character. A lot of questions is what we're saying. And none of them addressed. Yeah. Really. It's just, can we have it back, please? Please, come on. You know that's not nice. Please. <laughs> we used to be friends. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> so, there. But that's, okay, okay. But you act like that there's not drama there. Because I think it's an interesting sort of character development. To where you have an asshole who comes in and does something douchey. But in the process of his douchey act, he gets downloaded with better guys in his brain. Better guys who has interpersonal relationships with the people that douchey guys just fucked over. Yeah. And they could have stayed in that moment and wrote it a little bit because John Glover was capable of acting it. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, the, what I took from it is Dax doesn't ever make any... Dax, a male Dax, is a bit of a dick. Well, yeah. Pun intended. Because, you know, the, the hooker male Dax or even Jadzia Dax is a bit of a philanderer. He, mm -hmm. <laughs> the symbiote cannot be tied down to one other partner yeah. so far. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's an interesting sort of thing because the John Glover character was legitimately upset that Cisco was pissed at him. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting, because everybody else realizes why he's pissed at him. And I guess that Vedic, Vedin, Vedder, what was his name? Varad. Varad understood that, but the Trill couldn't, the symbiont couldn't. Right, yeah, yeah, because it's a different person. Yeah. Dax would totally understand why, but Varad Dax, that yeah. amalgamation of the two, doesn't understand it because whatever. That's because Jadzia did better on her Trill SATs. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she makes the case before, like, no, it's for your own good. Not every Trill is meant. The, There's the no shame. symbiosis council did it for your own good because maybe you're not a good candidate. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. like, Fuck you. You got the things. So. There's no embarrassment in that. My parents and my sister are both idiots, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, we're, we yeah. Could, it's totally apparent to the audience why he didn't get the trill. Yeah, because he stutters and he's just a wimp. No, because if you want to go hijack a station to get a worm in your gut, 
you're probably not posting material. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, the actor does a great job of showing how actually painfully mediocre Varad is on his own. Yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't do anything particularly cunning. Yeah, because you never think that guy, that guy deserves a trill. It's like, that guy's the meansly little, he was nice to a hooker that fell in love with him. That's that's his one defining trait. <laughs> he took care of a hooker. He got a hooker out of a bad situation. Yeah, well, you know, that, hey, you know what, that's respectable. I res- I commend him for that, but. I like how Kira looked at him and she goes, so what? He got you out of a bad situation. Is that like, like, that was like, the <laughs> yeah. what, whatever. So you were a hooker. Now you're not a hooker. Now you're just beholden to this asshole. Yeah, right. That's no good. Yeah, I've been through some shit, too. Get over <laughs> yeah. it. I, I was in the shit. Were you in the shit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, no. So moving on along, this isn't this isn't a very complicated episode. No, yeah, it's not very complicated at all. There's not a whole lot to unpack here. They manipulate. He's trying to get off, and they manipulated. Uh, Quark attacks a Klingon, gets hurt. Yeah, and I like Quark's whole thing. I mean, part of it is like, really, is Quark could be the one putting his neck out? That doesn't seem very Quarkish. But that's what happens when you back him into a quarter. He thinks he's probably going to die. He's like, okay but he can think his way out of it. Yeah. Quark is a survivor. He's a survivor, exactly, yeah. Okay, so that moment was believable for you guys? Yeah, he never thought he was going to beat up the Klingon. He knew that he was going to jump on its back and it was going to hurt him, and then he'd be able to go to the infirmary and fake it. The way that I saw it, he probably planned two steps ahead to get to the infirmary. Well, he didn't act until it till they were all basically at agreement, including Larry Sanders' clitter, his head's wife. <laughs> they all are basically at agreement that they're all fucked. But even after they get off the ship, it's not just Jedzia that's going to die. They're going to clean house. You know, they're going to kill all the witnesses and then move along home. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to bring that up. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> so they're going to move along to the, to the, so they're going to clean house. And so at that point, Quark could have reason. I would have reason that Quark would have said, fuck it. Jedzia is going to die, but I'm not going to die. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. But then it was like, oh yeah, they're probably going to mop up all the witnesses. Yeah. Yeah. Then it was like, oh, well the stakes are raised, you know, like, oh, so I got to get the yeah, fuck yeah. out. I got to change the situation. Yeah. Because and his, his, ah, ah, was <laughs> yes. pretty annoying. Give it to the Ferengis for having the most annoying, mm-hmm. ah, ah, or, you know, I, yeah. I can't do the Grand Nagus right now, but. And he gets the little moment where he has the hack open Odo's box, the box that he's stuck Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He can open. He's great at opening things that don't that are locked. I don't know. I, I, it sounds to me, Hugh, that you don't find it believable. Yeah, I wasn't on board with this one as much. I thought actually, from an evolutionary standpoint, the teeth and the hissing, the Ferengi don't have like their bark has to be worse than their bite because they actually have no bite. So I figure like primitive Ferengi probably did a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff, posturing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's like playing possum, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That actually made more sense to me. Yeah. But I didn't realize how far ahead he was probably thinking. You're probably right. Mm-hmm. So. And then I liked when Bashir doses and knocks out the Klingon. He falls right on Quark's dick. And then Quark gets up and he's like, oh, I feel a lot better now. I feel better already. <laughs> it felt like the actors were doing a joke on each other. Oh. Like, and when I fall, yeah. I'm going to put my head right on your cock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It felt like a funny in-joke that they were doing on the set. There's like, whoa, whoa. Like, Those okay. were long days on the Paramount lot. <laughs> yeah. So you had to get yourself interested. So, yeah. So, so okay. So they all the good guys get free the upper hand is obtained and then finally cisco convinces the lady that dax is gonna leave her right and because uh, she notices he says wait for me at the rendezvous point and she was like wait you were gonna wait for me and he knows she knows he's different and yeah she knows that he's basically gonna leave her and not, not go pick her up so she she now knows that if they can get the symbiote out of her he'll stay with her 
Yeah. He'll he'll be their fallback position and she'll be happy. Right. See, and that's why it didn't quite jive when you're trying to sell me on that he's got better dudes inside of him. He's got better dudes inside of him and all of a sudden he's shittier to the, the one person who supported him through all this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the Dax taking over. The, yeah, no, I don't think it's better dudes. I think it's just interesting dudes. Yeah, I Dax is his yeah. personality. He's a philanderer. He doesn't want to commit to one person. Yeah. All all him and Benjamin Cisco talk about is all the women they had fun with. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, I think that at times the show is conflicted on the relationship between Curzon Dags and Benjamin Sisko. Because I think they want it to be like a, a mentor-mentee sort of situation. Yeah. But most of the time in the conversations of how it's used in the show, it comes off more like Henry V and Falstaff. Yeah. Yeah, because in this episode, when uh, Varad Dax is making small talk, Sisko's, hey, remember Anastasia? Yes. And he's like, yeah, hubba hubba. And then remember that uh, we went to the Cliffs of Bowl? And then I think the writer here was trying to, maybe was really in the Chekhov or something, because all the anecdotes that Varad Dax and Sisko go have her all Russian. It's like, Anastasia. <laughs> and then, oh, remember when Krustu, oh, I wrote it down, Kustanovich ate all those red bat pies. Yes. It's like, okay, there are all their anecdotes that have Russian names in them. Okay. So, yeah, Hugh, I've known you since 1998. Wade, I've known you since 1996. Do we ever get together and just recount all the shit we remember when we first... No, like, no one does that. <laughs> like, no. like, but I get that they had to do that in this context of the show. They had to write right. that he's accessed, he's on, he's uploaded the files of all of their previous hanging outs. Right, but, right. And they have to go through, remember this Curzon stuff, and remember when we found the wormhole, and then he's, oh, you fucking assholes, don't bring that up. It's like, hey... Do you remember when I pissed off Jacinda and <laughs> William Joe wrecked a car? <laughs> like, no one does that. <laughs> that was a great scene because you're right that's when it was firing on all cylinders yeah. as a show and mm-hmm. they were working up to something cisco was clearly you know cisco is this is why he's the best because he just knocked a shit out of a klingon yeah. and then he's gonna outsmart somebody yeah you know it's like it's like and then i noticed also kira got her ass handed to her by the former hooker <laughs> well that's i'd want to get into that when we talk about what we're gonna change uh, okay all right yeah you you hit upon are we ready to get into that now or? sure wait, let's get into that now hold on hold on there's one thing about the klingon him punching the klingon that i remember which is that I think it's like in a couple of seasons later when the Klingons become a bit large over the show. Yeah, yeah. You realize that Cisco has like this quiet desperation to be a Klingon. <laughs> that's like played out over several episodes. And I actually really love that about his character is that he's very at home because they have several episodes in the future where they have to be Klingons and mm-hmm. get the cert- And he's absolutely happy there. <laughs> like he's happy navigating that world where everybody else is really un- uncomfortable. So I get the idea that this was the, this was the time where Avery Brooks was like, no, I like, I always want to be, these guys look like they're having so much fun being a Klingon. I want to fight like a Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's starting to set up the further Klingon storylines. I mean, just c- alluding to like, hey, we're not at war anymore. And then there's like the and rebel Klingons. We're, we're not at war and we're unhappy about it because what, yeah. what's a Klingon who's not happy, you know? Yeah, yeah. We're not at war. That's not Klingon. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, they save it. Everybody saves the day. Everything gets back. Jadzia lives. Yada, yada, yada. The episode's over. All right. So, yeah. so, so what would we change about this episode? All right. Who wants to go first? Because I got some stuff. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to go real quick because mine's probably short. <laughs> And we kind of hit upon it. Um, the lady from the comfort house kicks Kira's ass. <laughs> yeah. And I and she, unless you've got some sort of species advantage and she other than, you know, looking like she's got lady parts on her forehead. I can't <laughs> see that she's got any exceptional 
physical advantage over Kira. Kira has spent her whole life like physically fighting, yeah, like, and being outclassed and outmatched. So it, it didn't ring true to me at all that she would be able to take Kira. Yeah, I mean, if she had some sand in in her pocket and threw it in her eyes or something, <laughs> I, you know, by playing dirty, some sort of duplicity or something. I took it as Kira talks all this big game, but she doesn't back it up. Like even Gold Dukat when he's talking about the files that they find on the station that Gold Dukat had about her, mm-hmm. where like, oh, she's like a two-bit, she's not a real threat. And she's like, what? And they're all <laughs> laughing behind her back. Don't tell Kira that Dukat thought she wasn't a serious <laughs> No, no, no. I, you gotta put, either way, you gotta ride a line. Yeah. Like, she sh- I thought it was cheesy. I just thought it was cheesy. Let's have the girl fight the girl. Yeah. Let's have the yeah. guy fight the guy. And I think that, that was so clearly that's what it was. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously they weren't setting it up that she was a blowhard. It was just that they needed her to lose, and which was lame. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just I, that's why I didn't. Like, I think she could have clearly taken taken her right, and then her and Odo go to town on that Klingon later. She does one blow that takes him. Yeah, like that, that's what I was gonna say. Okay, so Marquise of Queensberry rules. Who wins, a Cardassian or a Klingon? It's tie. It's closer though, right? A Cardassian's a tough race. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, and I assume that she's whooped a Cardassian's ass before, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, the, maybe the the accommodation houses of Kefka Four are pretty rough. <laughs> are pretty tough places. He got her out of a pretty bad situation. You got to put that in as a line. I've had to, you know, because that's a thing writers would do. I'm a hooker. I've had to fight some tough Johns. Yeah, yeah. But they don't even want to say outright that she's a hooker, probably because they sure don't. No. For the FCC or something, yeah. Comfort house, comfort house. Yeah. You see some tough guys in the comfort houses. And then, uh, or or you have to have yeah. Kira say, like, I've been too long in these office jobs. I'm losing my touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you could go the other way, but you could write a line. But you're right. That was. Yeah, uh, something. There's something. There's something there that could have fixed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You want me to go or you want to go, James? Oh, uh, mine's pretty simple. I would not show the surgery of, of the trills. Oh. I would just not. I just wouldn't show it because it. That's a good one. It looks stupid and cheap. It looks, it's a pretty intense moment as far as character development and everything's moving up. I mean, it's kind of like if you're invested in these characters, it's an oh shit moment. But the whole time I'm just looking, I'm like, do they have flaps? Do they, like, (laughs) you don't need to ask, your audience doesn't need to be asking these questions and I don't need to be having intense moments with bleepy bloops. Like, that needed to be a very non-Star Trek-y scene. Yeah. You could have done close-ups of Bashir's face, close-ups of Jadzia, close-ups of, you don't have to see this the worm i don't want to see the worm i don't want to see the see i would have been disappointed if they didn't show me the cronenberg and i want to see the cronenberg worm come out of her i want to see all that shit okay nowadays i think they could do it i would trust a tv show to show me something that doesn't look stupid yeah now that scene where they're showing the puppet worm is clearly there's some production stills that are going to show up in Starlog. <laughs> that's going to move some Starlog. Yeah, they did that because the nerds won in 1993 need to see that shit. They're always talking about the worm inside these people. Let's finally see it. Yeah. You know, I think or let's see it again because you've seen it once on Star Trek. Yeah. you know, the next generation. Right, right. You know, I think there would have been a little bit of nerd outrage if they went the entire seven years of Deep Space Nine and never showed the damn worm they were always talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but can you show it in a jar? Like, you don't have to see lifting up a, a flap of skin and <laughs> I, poking it in and like shoving this thing into John Glover's stomach, which is weird. And then cutting it with pruning shears. Yeah, well, just snipping it off. Yeah, well, they should have used a laser scalpel because Quark uses a laser scalpel later on to get Odo out of the box. 
but whatever. Yes, he does. <laughs> okay, that's one minor thing I would change, but I've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> okay, okay, you go, because you got you got the big one. Hit it. Okay, one, we just finished the three-episode season opening arc where they evacuated the station. Why do they need <laughs> to just say that they evacuated the station because of unrest on Bajor, and then there's a plasma storm that comes in, but they don't want to do that because they have to have a drop-in episode of the week to have a whole series arc to just have that be the story. And because even when Quark is talking about his brother being gone and Odo's like, oh, you only just stayed. Yeah, I stayed to defend the station like he did in the last stupid episode, but for a completely different reason. And the only reason you didn't leave is because you had a suitcase full of gold-pressed latinum like the just you did in the last episode. Why not just call back to the last episode? Yeah. You have the Stardate blah, 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 where there's a plasma storm. You could just have easily said Stardate 216, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We just evacuated because of unrest on Bajor. That's all you had to do. So why do that stuff over again? I want to see the arc of the season. Yeah. That's one. That's all good. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And it's also, it reminds me in season one where they did the episode where Kira has to go down to a planet and cry. <laughs> and then Nog and Jake get into wacky adventures. And the next episode, Kira goes down to another planet and cries. And Jake and Nog have wacky adventures. It was the same episode twice yeah i mean there was details were different but but yeah Yeah, and if you're gonna do it if you are gonna evacuate the station again don't do it the episode after you just evacuated this fucking station put it different (laughs) put it later in the order put it on the back end don't do it mm-hmm. right after you just evacuated the station. Come on. Yeah, you could have isolated these characters differently. Yeah. You could have done another way. And yeah. then two, the other thing I would have done is, I brought it up earlier, why didn't they bring a doctor with them? They should have, instead of wasting the 30 seconds or whatever, the short scene on Bashir saying, oh, give me that first aid kit so I can rub this thing on O'Brien and then tell you to rub it on O'Brien. I guess just to pre-sage when he has the Klingon do it on Jet Zia's stomach for her C-section or whatever. Mm-hmm. But instead of wasting time on that scene, you just have a small little exchange about how they came through a plasma storm or whatever. They lost their doctor. You know, you have them a little shooken up about how they lost one of their crew on their little heist mission that they all got paid for. It's like, oh shit, we're down a doctor. What are we going to do? Oh, we're going to make this guy do the surgery. You know, that, that just makes for a better story that they're a little they're flying they're improvising as they go a little bit they made they didn't have a totally stupid plan they had a back <laughs> plan b in case they didn't have a the doctor you know do that that's the other thing you do and the other thing i would have changed is jadzia when she's talking to the trill she's no no not everybody they probably the symbiosis council probably had a good reason for not choosing you as a symbiote okay probably and then cisco's whole argument to the hooker from Kefka 4 is that you're doing this to save him. You're doing this because you love Varad. And then by the end of it, she's doing it. She tells herself to save him. But the only reason she's really doing it is because she doesn't want to lose him. Yeah. What you do is you throw in cracks to show that the the symbiont, symbiont is not a good match for him. You show that he's like, oh, I feel great. And you make it like a drug where he's ODing or something. And you see cracks start to show or he's sweating a lot, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or that maybe even Julian has a line. If, or somebody's, no, you have Tetsia. Or somebody throw a line in like, oh, it's not a good match. The symbiont won't fit with him. They're both going to die. And then you have Cisco, instead of just considering her to, oh, be selfish, he's going to leave you. So that's why you double cross him. Make her make the hard choice. She doesn't want to do it. She would even let him go if she had to. But she sees that it is bad for him, that she does have to make that choice to save his life. And then 
because it's actual. But you're saying because oh, she's making an altruistic choice instead of just being like he convinces her to be selfish for herself. Yeah, yeah, I even thought about that. I mean, you're right because at the end, she just is there any way that she did feel like? I mean, she was she went over and helped Cisco to help herself, right? And I, I guess I didn't think. I mean, I, you're right, but I, I guess I didn't think that that. Because his whole thing is he's convincing her to help him. Yeah, she specifically says earlier on, it's what he wants and I'm for whatever he wants. Not to help me, but to help you. Yeah, or even if it's, or else the Federation will, or the Trill Council will never let him get away. They'll follow him to the ends of the Gamma Quadrant. He's never going to be free. The only way to save him is to just to call this. But even that, I would say go even further and, and just show that maybe there's some biological reason. You know, you do it like the classic, oh, I, he's got too much power and he's starting to crack or something. Or, <laughs> yeah. or the symbiote's not a good match. Like Jadzia says the whole time, and then that makes her less of an asshole. Oh, no, but really, it's for your own good. No, it's not. He was obviously better off when he had the symbiote in him, other than he was a bit of a jerk to his ex-hooker girlfriend. Yeah, but he was confident and smarter, and he knew how to use hair gel. And like, <laughs> Yeah, he was confident and smarter, and he was like, I don't need you anymore. I'm going to go off and, yeah. and sleep with everybody like Dax would do. Yeah, <laughs> sleep with Morn, maybe. <laughs> now, did he bring the hair gel knowing that he was going to be more confident, or did he just find the hair gel on the station once he got... <laughs> in the back of the infirmary, there's, there's a barber chair. No, you don't understand when Trill are well-suited, to their symbionts they produce really nice hair that's how you tell if a symbiont is not a good match or not if they have bad hair it's like oh get get that out of there that is unacceptable do you guys want to go on to the star rating for imdb or did you have any more oh no no i got i got nothing i think i got all my points out yeah i had a few what do you guys want to guess that this did on imdb as far as out of 10 stars 539 people voted seven point one uh, 7.3. Wow. What Wade was closer. It was 6.9. Oh, so it's a lower in there. Really? I would have put it at a six. Huh, okay. I would. I just think it was all right. I think it, it had some Cisco moments, but not much else. Yeah. Yeah. Cisco, the stink eye that he was given Dax was like, mm, that was some good, just reacting and just good looking, good stares. Yeah. You had the classic Cisco arm cross at one point. Y- yes. <laughs> He's like, yep, let me tell you. Inappropriate smiling. Uh, Cisco's inappropriate smiling. Yeah. He did that a couple of times. So. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and at first I'm wondering, you know, I remember the first few episodes, I was like, is Savory Brooks inappropriately smiling? But now I think it's just it's just Cisco's just an inappropriate smiler. <laughs> yeah. At first it felt like Avery Brooks, but he's lived in the role. It feels like Cisco now. Yeah. He's, he's owning it. Yeah. And then uh, I guess I think that the episode's a little bit better because I feel like they did a, it's a small story that they did without too much up yeah but now that we're talking about it i realized they didn't do they may have did too little right it's a, it's, a, it's a remarkably small story i think the strength of the performances is what's so good yeah yeah and i think that's what you're responding to you're not responding what's on the page yeah definitely if the uh, the guy who played the bad guy was cast by somebody else we might be in real real trouble here with this episode oh yeah yeah with that actor and, I, and he's in all kinds of junk but i just i think if you integrated it more into the season and then I think my little tweaks would have buffered up the story a little bit better. Yeah. And it's an interesting. I mean, Dax is an interesting character. We wish they could use her more because she's unserviceable right. in most situations because of the act limitations of the actress. But by and large, it's probably on paper the most interesting character in the show. Maybe Odo. 
But the idea of, of a conjoined race of aliens is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And all of the sort of generational sort of learning and how you can apply that. It's really great. Yeah. And you, they just can't they can't scratch it because of the because of the limitations. And even in the course of the show, they just end up using Dax as a as smart warrior lady. Yeah. yeah. And like, we'll, we'll get to that later on. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, she's not there yet, but I mean they don't ever really fulfill a promise of what a trill could be. Yeah. And they get a contrast in the 7th season. They do something different with it. No spoiler, but uh, it's still not. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's still not great. Yeah, <laughs> I think this is the best acting we've had from Dax so this whole in the whole two seasons. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And I'm almost willing to say that I think Bashir's turned a corner. I do too. Yeah, I was, yeah, I thought he was fun to watch. I don't think so. He does things that I don't hate him. I don't love him, but at this point, I just don't hate him. In all four episodes of this season, all he has done is his job. And like I said, we don't even know if he's that capable of a doc. We don't even know if he's a good doc. He's just sufficient as a doctor. That's a good start, Hugh. He's back to basics. <laughs> yeah, it's a good start. It's better than him waving his dick at everybody. Yeah. I definitely feel like they've put the character in a corner for now until they figure out what they want to do with it. Yeah. They've sent him back to AAA. Yeah, yeah. And they're hoping they can just work on some kinks and swing. And they'll call him back up when they're ready for like, they feel like it works. I will say next week we get a Garrick episode. Oh, it's about time. Oh, let's see. That's when you get Julian starting to be better. Yeah. And not just any Garrick episode. But oh, it's called Cardassians, right? I fucking love this episode. This is like a classic, yeah. Yeah, it's about a Bajoran who adopted a Cardassian kid, and it's <laughs> fucking great. I love this episode. In my memory, we could come back here next week. You're gonna turn in, and I'm gonna go. Like, oh, this is <laughs> like, fucking oh, awful, oh, man. James, James, I'm so. Yeah. you thought this was great. Oh my god. In my memory, I love this episode. In my memory, so, it's uh, pretty great too. So hopefully, our memories hold up. Yeah, so. and it's not like when I thought. Well, even when my memories didn't hold up, they were good episodes. Yeah. <laughs> they just so. could have been better. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, guys. All right, guys. Is that it? You think so? I believe I am done. That's all. I Set. spend it all my uh, thoughts on this one. Mm-hmm. All right. Three to beam up. <laughs> okay, and we're back. As you can tell from that episode, I, I really didn't care for invasive procedures. And I was sort of outvoted. Both the guys seemed to have a lot of enthusiasm for this episode. And at the time, I did not. But looking back at, at it and having some distance from it, they they had some points. And maybe I was a little obtuse in my not understanding the appeal of John Glover's uh, bad guy performance or whatever. I actually thought his performance was fine. I just had a problem with his, with his character itself. Um, we talked about, or James talked about a great deal about the worm in this episode and how uh, the surgery itself looked ridiculous and how they probably should not have shown it. And I think that's a good point. However, it's interesting to note that uh, this was something that the show's makeup supervisor was worried about. Uh, Let me find the quote here on Memory Alpha. One scene featuring the Trill symbiote, David Livingston commented, quote, we didn't want it to look cheesy. It was always a problem showing it. It's the whole idea of an alien. You really don't want to see it too much because the audience is either going to be repulsed by it or say it's too hokey. (laughs) That's from Captain's Log Supplemental, the Unauthorized Guide to the new Trek voyages. So that's that's funny 
they apparently changed the design of the trill from when we saw it first in the Next Generation uh, episode called The Host. So uh, Michael Westmore, the makeup supervisor for that, explains the original design was based upon a, a caterpillar with an octopus's head. But for its second appearance in DS9, <laughs> the design was, quote, streamlined, end quote. And as for Michael Westmore's Aliens Season 2, DS9 Season 2 DVD special features. It's pretty cool. Everybody seemed to be really pleased with this episode. Iris Stephen Bear had nice stuff to say about Glover. Robert Hewitt Wolf was how happy with how this episode turned out. Um, Michael Piller went on and talked about how he was happy about how Terry was coming along with her growth as a performer. Um, <laughs> however, there is one person who is not happy with this particular episode, and that's Armin Shimmerman. Uh, this is from Memory Alpha again, quoting Star Trek Deep Space Nine Companion. Armin Shimmerman dislikes this episode because he feel he feels that Quark commits an unforgivable crime yet receives no punishment. According to Shimmerman, quote, I worry when Quark doesn't get punished for really sizable crimes. It makes the character less important since his acts trigger no consequences. And it makes Odo look a little foolish in that he's the lawkeeper and he can't get this little troll punished, end quote. So, I thought that was a little, that was some interesting insight uh, from the actor himself. You know, I really, I mean... Other than, like, Spock and Leonard Nimoy, I can't think of too many characters and, and actors, or rather, too many actors who have had so much input on how their character was depicted and developed through, like, the length of their time being depicted on Star Trek. Uh, but it seems that Armin Shimmerman and uh, uh, Renee... Abidjanois, <laughs> I can't speak tonight, uh, both had, were driving forces in, in their character's development. And I guess Andrew Robinson, too. I mean, he wrote, he literally wrote the book on Carrick. So, and we, we, we talk about that next week. So, anyway, I don't know, all in all, I thought that was a pretty good episode of the Rules of Acquisition itself. Uh, everybody had you know, pretty good points and insights and it seemed like we were really riding high on the series and where it was headed. Um, except for me. I mean, I think I really didn't care for this episode, but <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. All right. Well, that's all I have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, next week we are back. I will be back with a remix of the episode Cardassians. So... For the other guys at the Rules of Acquisition, it's Hugh signing off. One to be Mount. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? We need to feel loved sometimes. Please follow us on Twitter. I've thought about it a lot. I would not want a trill slug shoved up my stomach, it's pretty gross even to a robot. Also, 
I don't really like people, and you would constantly have to share your thoughts with a bunch of other fucking dead people like every minute of your fucking life. So gross. So gross. I've thought about it a lot. <laughs>